0: Hello, and thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene, where we exist to help people take their next step in a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope that as you listen, you are both encouraged and challenged as you take that next step in your walk with Christ. Good morning, church. Good morning, church. I'll just project from here. Am I go- Oh, there we go. There we go. Good morning, church. Oh, there we go. Hey, as we uh, as we get started today, we are going to be in the book of Habakkuk. And so if you'll join me in the book of Habakkuk, there will be no scripture on the screens this morning. So for those of you who are too prideful to look in the table of contents, I'll give you some time to find uh, the book of Habakkuk. It's at the end of the Old Testament, right before the New. That's where we'll be this morning. We are finishing our series, In Generosity. Over the last three weeks, we've discussed what it is to be generous with our relationships, generous through hospitality, and generous with our finances. Today, I hope to discuss something that then feeds into these other three, the climax, the the epitome of what it is to be generous. And I I hope we can discuss that through the book of Habakkuk. We're not going to be, we're going we're to try something. We're going to try to get through the entire book of Habakkuk in, in a small period of time. So I hope, I hope you'll stay with me. A few years back, several years ago actually, I had the pleasure of, of working in New Jersey for a golf course. I was a part of the grounds team. And this was a, a pretty monotonous job, but I grew to love it. There were mornings to where I would just stand in one spot for like 40 minutes watering the fairway, watering the greens, and I would just stand there, but it was, it was amazing because I would get there before the sun would rise, and I would, as I would be standing there watering everything, the sun would rise over this a beautiful golf course, and now I'm no green th- thumb by any means, but there were certain parts of this job that I, I grew to appreciate. One of the jobs that I had outside of the weeding and watering was, I, I was told to go prune back rose bushes, and I know nothing about flowers. I know nothing about plants. I don't know why we do certain things at certain times. But all I was told was, go prune this back. And my boss, had to come show me what that meant. So I didn't completely destroy the plant. And as we were doing this, as he was showing me, he would show me the proper spots, these dead locations of the plant to prune back. And after I did that, I looked back, and it did not look pretty in the slightest. If you've ever seen a a pruned back plant or bush, at least a rose bush, there is nothing left. It's just, it looks like a dead plant, at least from the untrained eye. Well, I did what I was told to do. The boss seemed okay with it. Okay, we're moving on. A few weeks go by, and I go back to the section of rose bushes, and all of a sudden, it was full bloom. All, all, it, it was amazing. These were knockout roses. So these bushes had gone from what was drab and dreary to these beautiful, vibrant, hot pink colors. And it blew me away. It was amazing. Now, for many of you, you maybe this isn't lost on you. You understand what pruning is. You understand that when a plant is pruned back, when the dead stuff is removed the nutrients then stop going to the dead stuff and it moves to the parts that can actually fully bloom. That gives it vibrance, that gives it life for all of the world to see. And furthermore, as the plants are pruned, it creates these new blossoms and it creates then all of a sudden ways for other plants to be pollinated. Let us not forget it required a pruning first it required something to be given over so that then nutrients could then grow in the way that they were meant to grow for the rest of the plants to then receive nutrients that they would not have received now for me this is mind-blowing the non-botanist the non-green thumb but what's even more amazing is that as humans we were designed in almost the exact same way as these plants, as if God was doing something on purpose there. You see, for us, we talk about generosity, we talk about living generously, we realize then all of a sudden that you and I, we don't, meanly, uh, we don't just survive, we actually begin to thrive when all of us begin living generously, giving over of ourselves so that others could then bloom. And we receive that As well, this generous living is almost as if we are then pollinating. We're allowing the world to then spread the goodness that we have received into others. But notice that what first must come is the pruning, the giving over that which is dead, so that the nutrients can more appropriately, more fully create a blossom, a bloom. You see, true generosity comes when you and I are willing to give every aspect of our lives over to God. This is true generosity. This is what it means to truly be generous with God. We can come and we can sing our praises. We can give God all of the best of who we are. Singing all these amazing things. But if we are holding back that which makes us angry and frustrated doubtful and confused then we are not truly being generous with God we are actually holding back from God and as we hold back from wrestling with God as we hold back from giving over our frustrations doubts confusions and all of that and trying to figure out what God is doing as we hold back we hang on to that which is dead that's producing no fruit meanwhile all the nutrients continue to go to these dead blossoms these dead flowers and the rest of us We can't fully bloom. We can't live into the potential that God has for us because we decided that we're going to hold back from God and only give him what we think he wants from us rather than presenting our frustrations, doubts, confusions, times of hurt, pains, anger, and everything else. Our most raw emotions. If I were to ask, when is the last time we were truly generous with all of our being to God? It'd be interesting to see, to hear the stories. Because like I said, we can give, we can give our praises, we can give all the good stuff, we can give our first fruits, we can give everything. But if we aren't presenting our entire being to God, then we are holding back from allowing him to do a work that only he can do. We can talk about what it is to live generously in relationships hospitality, even finances. But none of that can truly be to the fullest potential if we are not first generous in our relationship with God. All of the other things, that's generous with our neighbor. We do it to the glory and to the worship of God. But here, we must realize that everything stems from how are we being generous with God, within our relationship with God. So the first question, the question that we have to ask ourselves today... What is generosity with God allowed to look like? We can talk about our frustrations. We can talk about our anger, our doubts, our confusion. But what exactly is this allowed to look like? Are we allowed to just yell and accuse and do everything to God, just getting all our fresh? What does exactly generosity with God look like? We know half of it. We know what it is to sing praises. We know what it is to give our best, to go for it. But what about The other half, the half that we often hold back. Today, we're going to be in that small book of Habakkuk. And we're not going to discuss every intricate detail about what Habakkuk is addressing or the details surrounding this book. But I want to go to Habakkuk for one reason. Because Habakkuk is a prophet chosen by God to discern and then proclaim the plan of God to the people of God. And as we read through Habakkuk, different parts of this book, we're going to notice that Habakkuk holds nothing back. He's not coming in saying, oh, God is so good. We praise him, we praise him, we praise him. No, no, no. Habakkuk is coming and he is truly being generous. He's giving over every ounce of frustration, confusion, anger, and hurt. He is giving his most raw emotions and feelings over to God. He is showing and demonstrating what generosity with God is allowed to look like. None of us are afraid to sing praises to God, but how do we handle our frustration and doubts and questions of God? So if you'll join me, we're going to be in Habakkuk, Chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 2. And I apologize, the verses won't be on screen today. So if you'll join me, we're going to be in Habakkuk, chapter 1, starting in verse 2. This is what Habakkuk starts out in saying. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help, and you will not hear? Or cry to you, violence, and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me, strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. Holy cow. For those of you who are just listening and, and for those of you who are maybe reading this and you're like, what exactly is going on here? I'm going to tell you right now, Habakkuk is not happy with God. Here is the chosen one, the prophet, that, to, to then discern and proclaim God's plan to God's people. And before Habakkuk does this, he's writing down his frustrations, his doubts, his angers. Like, God, how in the world are you allowing all of this to happen? He says, how long shall I cry? He's basically accusing God of negligence and incompetence. God, are you there? God, can you hear me? If you are all sovereign, why aren't you doing something? Do you even notice? He says, the law is paralyzed. Justice is perverted. I mean, these are strong words from a prophet of God to God. You see Habakkuk is watching sin, immorality, evil increase all around him. He's watching injustice continually grow and grow and grow. He's watching pain and confusion on the increase. And he's wondering, God, where in the world are you? Because I don't understand. All my life I've heard you to do all of these amazing things. But where are you now? I do not Understand, God, I need you to explain yourself. This is a prophet of God demonstrating true generosity with God. You see, the Lord does not always need just praises, the Lord does not need our flattery to Him, He desires our hearts. And if our hearts are full of anger and frustration and confusion, then friends, let us receive the permission to give all of that over to him. And this is exactly what Habakkuk is doing. He is not holding back. He's not pulling punches. He's being his most authentic self. To be generous with God is to not put a facade on, to put a mask on. It is to allow ourselves to be our most authentic selves before our loving Now, for some, this may be easy. You've been wrestling with God your entire life. And you've grown to discover what it is the freedom that is of bringing your frustrations and anger and confusion to Him. For others, though, this is difficult. Years of wrestling have resulted in nothing for you. and, And you're wondering, am I even allowed to be angry with God? Am I even allowed to question or doubt what God is doing? Am I allowed to bring any sort of negative emotion to Him? I understand. Friends, my challenge to us today is understand that when it comes to generosity, if generosity is not happening here, it can never be full here. True generosity begins when we are our most authentic selves before God. He does not always need our praises and our flattery. He desires our hearts. How are we giving over that which fills our hearts so we've seen Habakkuk now he he is accusing God he's crying out to God he is he is not hiding his emotions from him he is being his most authentic self join me then in verse 5 now again we're not going to go verse by verse we're not going to hit every single verse through the end of chapter 3 here but I do want to highlight so we have Habakkuk's initial complaint now we see the Lord's answer The Lord says this, look among the nations and see, wonder, and be astounded. For I, the Lord, I, Yahweh, I, God Almighty, am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own Chaldeans um, you may have heard of the Babylonians the Israelites would go into exile under the Babylonian rule that's who the Chaldeans are it's just another name for them and if you know anything about the Babylonians or in this case the Chaldeans you know that these people are not good and the Lord says it here that bitter and hasty nation who marched through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own the Lord continues to go on then in verses 7 through 11, to describe the Chaldeans, the Babylonians. He fully recognizes these are not good people. These are not my people. They have chosen their own way. And so we see how God then responds. He doesn't have to respond, but he does no less. He doesn't have to respond to the accusations of Habakkuk. But here's what he begins with. He says, hey, 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 before I tell you what's going to happen, look around. As you cry out to me with your frustrations and pains and anger, just look around. Just for one second, look around. And wonder and be astounded because I am doing a good work. Everywhere that you might see goodness, everywhere that you might see a semblance of hope, that is me doing a work to bring forth redemption to the evil that you are seeing. Wonder and be astounded. But the Lord also knows that that's not going to be good enough for Habakkuk. Because he goes on to say, I am doing a work. And you're not going to be able to handle, you're not going to be able to understand the truth behind it. This is God saying, you can't handle the truth. You're asking for it, but you can't handle the truth. But I'm going to tell you about it anyways. You see, God, He does not, He's not under any obligation. He's not emburdened. He's not uh, reacting to the gun to his head saying, okay, 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 I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. No, 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 no. God hears Habakkuk's complaints. He hears the issues. He says, All right, I'll answer you. Because in the midst of our seeking understanding, in the midst of us. Wanting answers. He still wants to be our God. He's looking to take understanding, which we often make our God, on our understanding. He wants to replace understanding with himself. He's trying to get us to the point in time to where we are no longer relying on answers and our own understanding, but simply to rely on him. And he fully recognizes That what he's about to do is not going to make sense to our logical human brains. And here's what we see. So we've seen Habakkuk's complaint. We've seen the Lord. We have seen the Lord's answer. But guess what? It's still not good enough. And that's okay. That's okay. Habakkuk is setting a pattern for the rest of us. How we are free and given permission to engage and wrestle with God. We don't have to simply accept the first answer. But we can continue to go deeper with him. And so, this is what Habakkuk says. All right, God, you said this. You're going to use one bad nation to help correct all of the rest of the bad in the world. Okay. Verse 12 of chapter 1. This is when Habakkuk gets a little passive aggressive. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, my Holy One? We shall not die. O Lord, you. Have ordained them as a judgment? And you, O rock, have established them for reproof. You who are of pure eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong. Why? Why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? You see, Habakkuk is angry. He's mad. Injustice is prevailing in in God's people. Pain and And sickness and disaster and evil. All of these things are on the rise within God's people. And now Habakkuk is like, wait a minute, God. So you're telling me that in order to fix the evil in our current people, you're going to bring a more evil nation as a judgment to us. How in the world does this make sense? Hey, God, uh, uh, are are you sure you know what you're doing? Habakkuk demands more from him. And that's okay. God gave his answer, and he says, you can't handle the truth, but I'm going to tell you anyways. And remember, I told you you wouldn't be able to handle it. And I told you I'm going to raise up this evil nation, the Chaldeans, the Babylonians. And Habakkuk, well, yeah, you're right, God. I, I don't understand, and I need you to keep on explaining yourself. Habakkuk is trying to understand in his own mind what God is doing. Understanding, having answers is so more important to Habakkuk than simply relying on God. And God wrestles with him. God understands this. You see, Habakkuk is truly wrestling with God. But it's through this wrestling, it's through this back and forth that we begin to see God moving and interacting. Because in this moment, God knows that Habakkuk will never truly, fully understand what he is doing. But God simply wants Habakkuk's heart. And the more that Habakkuk presents to God and goes before God and goes and interacts and yells and accuses and and presents his frustrations to God, God is saying, he is giving my heart, which allows me to do a work on Habakkuk's heart. All because Habakkuk is living generously with God. True generosity begins with authentic communication and interaction. But this requires vulnerability. You and I, we will not always like the answers that God gives us. Because we will not always understand. We have to be willing to recognize that when we are generous with God, when we give over to God, we will not always get back what we hope for. But this is generosity. Giving that which cannot be repaid. And in this case, we cannot fully understand what God is doing. And God is working on our hearts, on Habakkuk's heart, to have us understand that's okay. Because the entire time that we wrestle, God is not afraid of the thorns that we provide for him. But he's there with his pruning shears as we allow him to cut back more and more and more, he's there with his pruning shears, pruning away pruning away that which is dead so that more and more of the nutrients can flow so that we can blossom and bloom with his full goodness in our lives. So often we think that if we do this before God, he's going to come with a chainsaw. Now, some of us may need a chainsaw. Some of our plants have outgrown themselves, and they're to a point in time where it needs deep, hard pruning. But when God takes a chainsaw or pruning shears or a scalpel, he is the most precise. He knows exactly what to cut away so that you and I can begin to flourish and thrive in the way that God intended for us. As we dive into chapter 2 then, after we have two complaints from Habakkuk, the Lord now, this is where it gets really good. The Lord then goes on to this full description with Habakkuk. And he's telling Habakkuk, hey, oh, hey, hey, hey. Whoa, whoa, hold up. You're thinking that I'm blind to the evil. You're thinking that I am blind to the injustice. You're thinking that I actually don't see what you're seeing. But let me affirm you. Your discernment is correct. The Black Babylonians The Chaldeans, they are an evil nation. I recognize that they are causing pain. They will cause pain. They are causing injustice. They will cause all of this chaos. He says, I recognize that. Do not think that. I do not see the pain in your life. But recognize, verse 4 then of chapter 2, it says this. This is the Lord speaking. Behold, his soul is puffed up. He's talking about the Chaldeans. Behold, they are puffed up. It is not upright within them. But the righteous shall live by faith. The Lord is about to use something that is evil. The Lord is about to use something that is arrogant and and unjust. He affirms Habakkuk in this, but he reminds them, the righteous shall continue to live by my faith, the understanding that I am doing a work. You may not understand it, but I am doing a work. Jump to verse 14 with me in chapter 2. The Lord is still speaking. He's still using all of this chapter to recognize and to bring to Habakkuk's eyes, I am doing a work. I know I am doing something that does not make sense to you. But look at verse 14. Because this is the climax of it all. This is exactly what needs to happen. Verse 14, chapter 2. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So often, things happen in our life disaster, pain, sickness, cancer. We lose a family member, we lose loved ones, we experience pain like no other, and we cry out to God. Well, in this case, maybe we don't, but Habakkuk is crying out to God, saying, Where in the world are you? You say that you're good, but this good person just died, and sickness and pain seem to be running rampant. Immorality seems to be on the increase. God, where are you? And God takes a moment to say, you cannot handle the truth. But know this, everything that I am doing everything that I am raising up, everything that I'm allowing to happen will bring more people to me than if it did not happen. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. What man intends for evil, what the Babylonians intend to use against my people, what they intend to bring destruction and chaos, I will use it for my glory. I will use it so that my people, those who are searching after me, will discover me. Can you please have faith in that? And in this moment, we recognize God is not going to give us an answer that is going to make sense to us. God is not going to give an answer that makes sense to Habakkuk. But what God is doing here, he's taking his pruning series, he's taking that scalpel, that chainsaw, and he's pruning away at Habakkuk's heart. That which is frustrating, that which is doubtful, full of confusion, full of anger. And he's saying, let me take this and replace it with myself. Let me take your search for understanding, your, seek, your seeking after answers. Let me replace it with myself. God is saying everything that you're experiencing, the evil, the brokenness, the immorality, the disease, the pain, the injustice, everything that you see around you, he's saying this too shall pass. This evil and pain and brokenness are consequences of human decisions, but I will use them for my glory. Habakkuk handed over every raw emotion and sought the comfort of the Lord. He desired understanding, Habakkuk did. He desired answers, and God did not give it. But here's what God did give. He gave an answer that's saying, I am in the midst of redeeming the world. You cannot know fully. You cannot fully understand, but know that I am doing a work. You see, generosity with God is not the beginning of understanding, but the beginning of being embraced. You see, in the midst of this wrestling, in the midst of Habakkuk going before God and saying, you're allowing all of this to happen. Why? Where are you? Are you incompetent? Are you negligent? What is going on? And instead of getting the answers and the understanding that he so badly desires, he simply allows God to embrace him. think about it. When when a child and a young infant cries, when they cry, they're not seeking after understanding why they're feeling the pain in their belly or why they're feeling pain elsewhere. They're not seeking understanding when a young infant cries. They are simply asking for the embrace and the provision of their parent. Friends, how much more so should we as finite beings Go to a God who is infinite, who is outside of this world, who is outside of time. Go before him and allow him to replace our need for understanding with simply his embrace. To allow his embrace to bring us our satisfaction, his goodness, his peace, and his rest. Generosity with God is not the beginning of understanding God, but being embraced by God. We've seen now Habakkuk complains, the Lord answers, complains, the Lord has answered. And in the midst of this wrestling, in the midst of the struggle, of the authentic interaction with God, Habakkuk then in chapter 3 seems to have this switch, this flip. Now, we're not told that all of a sudden Habakkuk's circumstances have changed. We're not told that Habakkuk all of a sudden has answers or understanding. But after complaining to God these couple times, now Habakkuk shifts. And he begins simply to pray to God. Telling of God's actions in the past. Telling, reminding himself, hey, this is what I've heard about you. This is what I've heard that you have done. God, would you do something God You are good, and you are faithful, and I don't understand. Join me in verse 16. So after Habakkuk prays this prayer, after Habakkuk seems to come to this acceptance, I'm not going to fully understand. Listen to these words in verse 16. This is amazing. Verse 16, chapter 3. I hear, and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. He sees, he hears, he recognizes that the Chaldeans, they are coming. This nation that is sinful, this nation that is evil and bitter, they are coming. And Habakkuk recognizes that. And he begins to become fearful and afraid. But look what he says. Yet... I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon the people who invade us. The Lord has given his back and forth. The Lord has given these responses. The Lord has told Habakkuk, hey, you can't handle the truth. You've been generous with me. You give me all of your raw emotions. And here's what I'm doing. I'm gonna make sure that the all of the world knows about me and I recognize the evil. I see the pain. I recognize what you're walking through in this moment. But I need you to recognize that if this doesn't happen, then the most people cannot find me and see me and discover my goodness. So I'm raising this nation up. I'm going to allow them to perform all of these things so that the world might know. I am God. And after wrestling with God, Habakkuk gets to this point in time. He says, I will wait. Though I am scared beyond belief, though I am fearful beyond recognition or understanding, I will wait. Habakkuk has tossed everything up to God. He presented to God with open hands everything that was in them. Oftentimes, we go before God and we say, hey God, I need your rest, I need your peace, I need your glory, hope, and love. Please and thank you. But all the while we hold our fists closed. We go before him saying, God, I need all of your being to be with me. But we hold our fists closed because we hold back from God. We can't allow him to see our anger, our frustration, our confusion. We can't allow him to experience everything that's happening inside of our hearts. So we just say, hey, I need it. But we never give God the opportunity to take that which is in our hands and replace it with himself. But here, Habakkuk has gone before the Lord, and I heard a pastor say this. I was talking to him a few weeks ago. He says, this is what we call the divine exchange. It's when we are pleading with God for him to give us himself and everything along with that. It's when we go before him and give him with open hands all that which we we are hanging on to. And we give God the opportunity to replace our doubt and frustrations, not necessarily to change our circumstances, not necessarily to give us the answers or the understanding that we need, but all of a sudden, that which is soaking up all the nutrients, that which is dead and is causing death in our lives, God begins to prune away and He replaces everything with Himself and His goodness. And in doing so, again, our circumstances don't change. The pain isn't taken away. The lost loved one doesn't all of a sudden come back to life to give us rest. But all of a sudden, our wrestling, our interactions with God, they've been so authentic. It's allowed God to prune us in ways that we can never imagine. And yeah, we might think that the pruning has created something even more disastrous looking. But what we don't realize is that God is doing such a good work so that we can then bloom to the fullest extent so that our generosity with him then leads to generosity with others because we decided that we were going to give over everything, our entire being, not just our praises and the good things, but every ounce of who we are. As we close, look at verse 17 of chapter 3. Friends, I would challenge you as you read this, would you make this your motto? Would you make this stapled, anchored, written, burned into your heart? Verse 17. He makes me tread on my high places. Friends, generosity with God replaces the need for answers with a rest that is not dependent on a complete understanding. We've watched Habakkuk go from anger and rage and raw emotion. Complaining and and accusing God of all of these different things. Saying, why are you doing this? Only to then see the result of the work of God in Habakkuk's life. Saying, nothing in my life could ever go right. Nothing in my life could ever be perfect. And yet I will always find God to be good enough. I will always find God to be my strength. Friends, we may not always get the answers we want, but friends, rather than being afraid of what the answer will be, we get to interact with God. God can handle our punches. God can handle our emotions. There is no reason for us to hold back. So rather than not feeling the permission to be angry and confused, let us go to him and yes, seek understanding, but always know that he may give us something so much more. A rest that is not dependent on answers. A rest that is not dependent on us understanding. So we go back to the first question. What is generosity with God allowed to look like? Well, friends, it looks like a prophet of God who does not understand. It looks like a prophet of God who yells and blames and in conf- in confusion and cries to God. Only to then end up desiring the embrace of God more than understanding God. I'm not saying that we should have blind faith, but what I am saying is that when that understanding does not come, let us look and wonder and be astounded and recognize that the Lord is doing a work both in your lives, through our lives, and in the lives of those around us. Imagine, God, God was going to use an evil nation to bring about his glory. He did use an evil nation to bring about his glory. Imagine then for hearts that are truly seeking after God. Imagine what happens when we give up everything. Imagine how much more God can use us over an evil nation to bring about his glory in the world. When all of a sudden we allow him to prune us, to go around us with pruning shears or chainsaws or a scalpel. All of a sudden imagine the nutrients that then flow to the rest of our heart that fill our heart. His rest and hope and peace and love and joy. Imagine how that then allows us to blossom and bloom in ways that we can never actually do. Simply because we let go. And we gave over. And we lived generously with God. Even when we don't understand. Even though the fig tree should not blossom. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Friends we cannot begin living fully generous lives. We cannot live into what it is to be generous with our neighbors, with other plants around this world, until we allow ourselves to be fully generous with God. I don't know who here needed to hear that this morning, to hear what it is to wrestle with God. As we enter into this holiday season, friends, would you know that you have permission to be angry? You have permission to be sad. You have permission to be questioning and doubtful and confused. Friends, would you be Habakkuk? And would you give it over? Give it all over so the Lord can do a work. Would you pray with me? Father, we love you and we praise you. God, as we begin this holiday season, God, would you give us the courage to be open with you, to be vulnerable with you? God, go before us. Hold all things together. May you receive glory because of our generosity. May you give us the power and the strength to be vulnerable with you when we don't feel like it's right. God, would you bring to light that which we need to give over? Remind us of the things that we are holding on to, that we think that we can understand and fix on our own. Father, we love you. We praise you. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit. And in the name of Jesus, that all of God's children say, amen. God is good. All the time. And all the time. Good. Amen. Be blessed. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 or 10.30 a.m. for weekly worship and community with other believers. For more information about upcoming events or ways you can connect, Find us on Facebook or visit us at napnaz.org. Have a great week.